Hello, worthy listener, and welcome back to That Girl with the Curls. I am indeed that girl. I am Sam. Refrain from using your Dr. Seuss references now. I've heard them all before. Um, Unless you've got a real original one. I mean, if you have an original way of bringing the Sam I Am jokes, I'm all for it. But you only get one. Everybody gets one. Tell them, Peter. Um, But anyway... Uh, This is episode 44 of That Girl with the Curls, and this is featuring uh, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, my friend Tiffany. Uh, We've been wanting to uh, start doing, um, I wouldn't say it's like an offshoot of the podcast, but it's basically just her and me kind of having episodes where we just kind of talk. Uh, We're we're separated by a a number of miles, and uh, so it's always good to find those avenues where you can keep in contact with uh, the people that you care about and that you love. And uh, Tiffany and I, uh, we we kind of figure this out in the podcast, but we've known each other for, we're coming up on a decade. We're getting pretty damn close to it. So um, she's just, she's an amazing uh, woman. I love her to death. Uh, When we first met, it was like instant, we are friends. We're going to be friends right now. Um, And since then, it's just been no holds barred, just friendship, friendship, friendship. Um, so I just really wanted to have, a, a, at least a, an episode where we talk. I definitely foresee new ones in the future between the two of us, but, uh, this one was great because, uh, with Tiffany especially, I can always really dive into the deep stuff. Um, you know, just that's where my mind will go all the time because we just have that kind of an open Uh, friendship, open conversation, and we can also be, like, ridiculously silly. So you get a good smattering of all of that. Um, I can uh, promise you that you will at least be entertained. You won't be bored when Tiff and I are talking to each other. So uh, sit back, relax, pull up a beer, a chair, or however the hell you listen to a podcast, do your thing, and uh, come back for more. Actually, it's like the Schrodinger's cat uh, situation. <laughs> She's both talking to you and calling you at the same time. <laughs> Schrodinger's anxiety complex? Oh my god. <laughs> I think I might have that. <laughs> You're both anxious and not anxious at the same time. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, by the way, that thing that you do every day suddenly also makes you anxious. Oh, Enjoy that. God, I've had the shakes like all day. It's so weird. Oh god, like, it's- are you just on adrenaline overload for some reason? I don't think it's adrenaline. I, I mean, I was looking it up, but I, I hesitated to use any kind of WebMD shit, because then it's like, right. you've got a tumor! <laughs> <laughs> it's not a tumor. 
tumor. Oh, until it is a tumor. Like, and then it's lupus. And then it's lupus. It's always lupus. <laughs> but yeah, so I just kind of looked it up because I, I know that uh, I would normally get like kind of shakes from, from doing like physical activity. Sure. I mean, that's just naturally how my body reacts. Um, right. Because it's y- like, yeah, you don't get to do that now. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you get older, Tiff, and then... <laughs> <laughs> When it's you, just like reverse birds and bees. This is shitty. I don't want to do this. Basically, yeah. It's like, well, when you turn 21 or uh, 31. Like, when you turn 25 and you stop being able to not have hangovers. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that my hangovers were never, like, ridiculously bad. Like, I just got maybe, like, a, a really tough headache or something like that. Right. Never got nauseous, thank God. <laughs> but, Dude, it is the worst. Oh, like, I hate throwing I, up. I've only had a hand o- handful of hangovers since being, like, 21-ish, because mm-hmm. I did most of my drinking really solidly early in my existence as a person. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what, 12, 13? Uh, actually, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. I was I was solidly drinking by about 14 oh, and Lord. doing drugs at the same time, so it was just all sorts of great choices being made. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I made excellent choices in life. But uh, it means that now, when I'm doing things as an adult... I don't have to also contend with the fact that I'm still getting all of the really stupid shit out of my system. Mm-hmm. So, like, I if I want to go out dancing or something like that on the weekend, which it's been months, but still, yeah. if I optionally wanted to do this, <laughs> uh, I could, and I can do so without the benefit of booze, at least to the point of, like, actually having an issue later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I just don't drink that often anyway anymore. But meh. Yeah, I had a friends of mine in, in college. They they were actually very shocked when I told them I hadn't I didn't start drinking until I was twenty one. I, I don't know what they thought of me. Apparently, but it's like what you just seem like such a natural at it. You're like, well, I have practice. It's like I've got those My Irish. ancestors drank for me. Yeah, exactly. My Irish genes just really helped fortify the body. <laughs> Dude, pretty much. Like it's it's actually kind of sad, but you're like, oh yeah. By the way, I've been genetically prepared for this since forever. So oh, yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> I just didn't feel like drinking up until it was like legal to do so, and I didn't much care for it. I'm like, Whatever. <laughs> See, and that's fine. But now, if you want to, you can do so and not be a total jackwad about it. Well, sometimes. <laughs> I have yet to hear you be a jackwad about drinking. That's or- us. In general, ever? True. Huh. I mean, you're not around me all the time, so... It's true. <laughs> like, there's a very low probability of me being in person with you at the same time, but <laughs> as per my extrapolations from when I am in person with you, I can't picture you being a jackwad. It's, I'm a very happy drunk. I know that. <laughs> oh, see, that's lovely. Happy drunks are the best. Yay. I don't like mopey drunks. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. No, I, I literally just found out from James's post a few minutes ago that that entire rage cast three hours of recording, mm-hmm. gone. What? His computer took a raging shit, and it just died. Oh, So, like, it it went all the way into, apparently his BIOS was installed on some other hard drive, and everything is terrible forever. (laughs) So, so he's like, yeah, it just took a steaming pile of shit on itself, and now everything's gone. 
Well, then you can you can either see that as an opportunity or like I mean I wanted to cry. I'm like, are you serious right now? What are you doing? It's three hours of my life I can't get back. Well it was it was also like last week. Like oh, I yeah. I don't understand why that wasn't uploaded somewhere already. <laughs> You could have just avoided all this had you not been procrastinating. Ah, yes, the the great uh, evil of all creative types, the procrastinator. Dude, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I could do that right now, but I won't. I'm probably not gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna sit here and watch YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, cat videos! Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me, me less, yeah, me less so on the uh, cat videos, but damn, if I'll just go down the well of uh, Mystery Science Theater or Riff Tracks or oh, God, right? any number of Steven Universe clips. <laughs> See, it's not even so much that I look up cat videos or anything like that. I follow enough pages on Facebook that have funny videos of some sort, mm-hmm. and I have enough friends who on any given day, we'll probably be having a bad day. Mm-hmm. So I can just send them something funny and be like, hey, <laughs> hey, this page found me a thing and I didn't have to go diving down the black hole that is YouTube. Woo-hoo! You can't have a thing. <laughs> can I tell you that? Okay, so the the whole cat thing, mm-hmm. I seriously don't get it. Like, <laughs> eh, I, Some I, of them are cute. I, Most cats are assholes, so I don't know why, but... Yeah. Like, like it. I mean, I get it on the level that, yeah, I've had cats my entire life, and they do sure. interesting, cute things from time to time. But, Especially if they look really derpy. Oh, exactly, yeah. I mean, and I get it. And, you know, it's funny, like, if you watch, like, one or two videos, it's... Sure. It's when... It's not seven hours. Oh, my God, no. I can't... It's just, like, could... I have something, I mean, at least a little bit more stimulating. Like... Right. Just someone talking, or... I don't know. I don't, and I know that sounds really snobbish or something like that. Not like, really. <laughs> like, honestly, for me, I won't sit down and watch a video with, well, okay, I won't sit down and watch any sort of funny video mm-hmm. that is longer than about a minute unless I have essentially two references for it. <laughs> like, if I have two people who have said, oh my god, this is hilarious, and I trust their opinion on what is, in fact, hilarious, mm-hmm. I'll open it. Yeah. If not, if this is an unsolicited, funny, quote-unquote, video, <laughs> probably not gonna fucking watch it. Yeah. Or, if somebody has posted a video with none of their own description on, like, hey, this is why I posted this thing. I think it's really funny for this reason. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it if somebody's description of something is funny. It's it's why I add my own descriptions of, like, this is why I liked this thing. For these reasons, I feel that all of you should share in the, my mirth. Pretty much. It sounds kind of snotty, but at the same time, there's so much media out there. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to waste my time just kind of flipping mindlessly through shit that, honestly, a lot of people are going to find funny, and I possibly won't because my sense of humor is just that kind of oddball. It's, yeah, it's the worst. Like, I mean, I remember when, you know, I was still living in, in, in BAM, and uh, when we would go up to... Uh, Mutual friends place. Right. Uh, and it's here's, here's the thing. When someone tells me I'm going to laugh at something, mm. I feel like that's the surefire way to make me not laugh at it. Right. Because You're it's like, a, why? I mean, it's already gearing me up for something. And then, yeah, my, my sense of humor is very similar to a lot of people. I mean, that's why you and I are friends. Sure. Um, but it's not always to the extent that I'm going to find the exact same thing funny. 
No. So when I'm shown a video with the you know, around people and I'm told it's funny, I know they're looking at my reaction and I never react oh. the way people want me to react. Reaction pressure is the worst. Oh, it's so annoying. It's just like I'm you know, you're just sitting there and you know that they're waiting for you to laugh at a particular moment. It's just yeah. written on their faces, and you're right. like, oh, God, was that the moment? Maybe it's the next one. I don't know. This isn't funny anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not having fun anymore. Oh, God. <laughs> like, that was, that was, it just, I hate that kind of pressure. I mean, it's like when I was, you know, a kid, and my father would get me a present that he didn't uh... ask if I wanted. And, and then if I didn't react oh. the way he wanted me to, he'd get, like, pissed at me. There's actually a video that I remember seeing that was somewhat along those lines, mm-hmm. um, and it, it was it was something along the lines of like Christmas present face. It might have even been a Garfunkel and Oates song, if, okay. if memory serves. Uh, but it's just, it's along that theme. It's just like these are all of the expressions I have to make because you have expectations. Exactly. Yeah. I, I despise people having expectations of me. <laughs> That's that's why I generally just send people videos, be like, hey, I think you might like this. If you do, great. If you fucking don't, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I sent you the thing, and that's up to you now. You just shoved it in my face and be like, here, enjoy this, bitch. If not, fuck you. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> like, you can like it or not. I don't really care. Mm. But I saw it, I thought of you, and now the pressure's on you if you like it or don't. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and also, I mean, it's the benefit of long distance, you know, friendships and relationships and everything. Yes. It's like the whole Facebook, Twitter thing or Tumblr. I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole of all these, whatever. I can only keep track of about like two at a time. <laughs> like, and they're usually the ones up at work when I'm, I need just like a couple of minutes of distraction yep. from the boring ass shit I'm doing right now and want yeah. to just, uh, why don't I have another job? <laughs> That is a common refrain for me as well. Oh my, it's just just like, ah. It's almost like the thing that pays our bills and has us allowed to live makes us utterly miserable. Uh, You know, it's not even that I'm miserable, it's just that I'm bored. Like and That is misery for you. It you can, thrive on intellectual stimulation. I, if you're bored, you're miserable. I, 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 maybe. I, I'm just making a lot of sounds. <laughs> your misery. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, every once in a while, it's it's okay, and I like my coworkers and everything. Sure. But yeah, there's... You're comfortable. Exactly. I mean, I've been there for four years. Going, yeah. going on five, and uh, I mean, it's just that whole, like, I feel like I should have been somewhere else by now, and... You feel like you should be an adultier adult? Oh, I want to be, but there are times when I know I'm not. <laughs> I was having this discussion with a friend earlier today about, mm-hmm. like, I really wish I was an adultier adult. I feel like I should be somewhere <laughs> further in my life because I'm, I'm going to be 30 in a couple of months, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the somewhat societal expectation that Upon hitting 30, you're magically an adulty adult, and no more fun to be had, and no more fuck-ups to be done. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Which is total bullshit. Yeah. But at the same time, that societal expectation is totally there. Mm-hmm. And pair that with, I, I don't know if, if you're going to relate to this or not, but when I was growing up, there was, despite everything 
weird and awful in my family. Mm-hmm. There was the expectation, the stated and unstated expectation of excellence and exceeding expectations. So I was told on a near constant basis, you're going to achieve all these things and you're so smart and, you know, interspersed with you're a dumb jackass who's fat and awful. So <laughs> take that how you will. I... <laughs> You know, it was it was all over, and this expectation to become amazing, and no real clear path to how or what that would look like. Yeah, no, I I don't have I didn't have a, the same thing, but I I think I put all the expectations on myself. Mm. Not that my parents weren't encouraging, or that I didn't have people going like you know, oh you. I mean, it was pretty much a flat out statement that I was going to college. Like the, right. the minute you I su- have a choice. Oh my god! The minute I suggested otherwise, which I did to my dad a couple of times, <laughs> he he flipped out. Like not my mom, who you know, I I mean, I lived with and who pretty much raised me and everything, but pretty my much? yeah, all but uh, yeah. <laughs> did. Uh, yes. <laughs> Upon whom the majority of motherly and fatherly duties was foisted upon. True, verily. <laughs> the weekend father and... Yes. <laughs> but, you know, he, he was the one who was like... Because at one point I wanted to, um, you know, wanted to go, like, full-time screenwriting or something like that. Was sure. Was considering it. Um, but I was As just... Do. Yeah, you know, you're just looking for different avenues, and maybe college wasn't the route, because I would throw it in his face, like, you're making such and such money at this at the aviation company of which you work with, and right. and uh, you didn't go to college, and, he, and he's like, he didn't have a particularly good comeback for that. Nope. Um, it was more like once I hit real life and, and saw that, like, oh, yeah, the economy will not support uh, <laughs> not going I to college. My arts focus isn't going to work here. Oh, ding. <laughs> but I was going to make a fortune in mosaic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was mixed media. Mm-hmm. And then it went into communications, and then it was just an English degree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, it's my, my dad was just really like, cause I don't think he ever got the, you're going to college treatment. Uh, right. my grandparents were very much like, you know, whatever. <laughs> so give a fuck what you do with your life. Exactly. Like he could have pretty much done whatever he wanted, but he chose to go into uh, the same company as my grandfather. Uh, Which so, at the time he did, it probably wasn't a bad call. No, it was a very lucrative. I mean, he moved up pretty fast. I mean, he was 19 when he went into it. I mean, it's just, it's Boeing, whatever. Right. Um, it, you know, what of? You know, what of? That aviation company that operates primarily out of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> but is actually, like, everywhere now, and it's, you know, yeah. whatever. But, yeah, I mean, so he, he basically did that because, it you know, at the time, working for Boeing was a pretty sweet deal. Um, so somewhat more stable. Exactly. I mean, it's, yeah, it's gone through the, he's only been, he was only laid off one time, which was right around the time I was, uh, I came about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. So my parents, uh, the origin story of my parents, they, they started dating, uh, within six weeks, my father proposed and Oh, yeah. And then he asked my grandfather for my mother's, you know, for, for permission, hand. basically, yeah, for her hand. My grandfather uh, told him to wait another six weeks, <laughs> which started... Another six weeks? Yeah, he basically wanted my dad to really think about it, I guess. And 12 weeks was sufficient time. 
I suppose. Uh, it's like, Interesting. I, yeah, I think it was all that my grandfather didn't think my dad was serious or that, because you know, mm. my parents' families grew up together, like they knew each other, it was Boeing families. And oh. so I think my one grandfather thought that my dad was going to turn out like my other grandfather, and he didn't really particularly like how he treated my grandmother. <laughs> so That's fair. Yeah. But this started a whole my dad against my grandfather thing, which uh, carried over so long. And I really don't think it's even stopped so much as he just probably doesn't. Probably not. Yeah, he just doesn't bring it up anymore. Um, it seems like generational feuds along those lines, at least in, in my family as well, those go beyond death, actually. <laughs> so there is, there is the quite literal feeling of, of when you bring up certain topics there's still actual active anger feelings there, and I don't understand how you can be angry at a dead person still. Oh, I can I can see it because uh, I was de- I was a uh, uh, I was angry at John Denver for a number of years. Well, that's fair. <laughs> well, and that's because my stepmother decided every weekend in the mornings, you know, when my sister and I are trying to sleep in, she was going to play John Denver to wake us up. See here, I just assumed it was John Denver himself, but nope. you know, I, I, but actual reasoning. Yeah. I mean, that also works. I hate him retroactively, like well after the man was dead. I I developed a sincere hatred for him in certain songs, like essentially the first right. couple of songs on the album that my stepmother would play. I have a similar hatred for Gary Glitter for similar reasons because of my dad. See, there you go. Just, I mean, then also the fact that he was a pedophile, but well, I mean, you know, that was years later. It's just a given. Huh? <laughs> no, the the family feud thing though mm-hmm. that I don't I don't get because it was always so petty. Oh you know? yeah, like there are certain things to which I can very much relate to holding anger or at least ill will, if you if you will, mm-hmm. uh, well past the point of that person dying. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it was like. My dad was still mad at his dad no. for not taking him fishing very often. Just just the fishing? Like, it was that and other things, mm. but, like, I'm the youngest and you didn't love me enough. Because <laughs> he's the youngest of five. Oh, okay. And, you know, it was, it was a family where my granddad was a professor of agriculture for Wazoo, mm. and was quite often doing either long hours or they were on sabbatical or they were on assignment somewhere. And I mean, very fascinating stories for me as a grandchild. Um, but I can, I can certainly see where there would have been somewhat of an absentee fatherism figure, um, during my dad's growing up. Now, bearing in mind, he was raised in the 19, you know, fifties and sixties. He was born in 1950. Mm -hmm. So growing up in that time, I don't get the impression that active fathering in the same hands-on way as now was the expected norm. Probably not. I mean, it's a your your father's nine years older than my parents, right? Um, but it, again, it comes it goes from different families because my mom was raised in a, in a family that was very equal. Like my grandfather, my grandmother, kind of ran things together. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, my grandmother might ha- might have had more power in terms of, like, she was the one they feared with the pancake switch. <laughs> right, and that is valid. <laughs> yes. Um, whereas on my dad's side, it was very much my grandfather was in charge, and no mm-hmm. one made any kind of, uh, y- you couldn't make a case against him. Uh, so that was that. 
And so when they got married, you can see how the, the two differing philosophies yeah. uh, might kind of, uh, they might butt Slash, heads. perhaps? Oh, uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two very stubborn people producing two very stubborn children. <laughs> Which has worked out fairly well. Yes, you know, it, it might not have worked out for their marriage, but at least the resulting offspring worked out pretty good. Yeah, we try every once in a while. Uh, I mean, minimal fuck-ups, right? Yeah, occasional fuck-ups, yeah. But, We're uh, all about minimizing <laughs> Well, and I think that all the fuck-ups now are just me and my sister just going, like, putting that on ourselves. It's, it has nothing right. to do with our parents anymore. It's all like, well, you done fucked up, Bubba. Um, Which is so nice that you recognize, because mm-hmm. I swear to God, some people go through their whole lives, and they're like, no, it's because of my parents! <sighs> like, no, actually, boo-boo, I think you done goofed. <laughs> Guess what? There comes a certain point where you can no longer blame your parents for things that happened in your life. <laughs> One would think, but there are people who do take that that tone of, like, everything in my life is my parents' fault. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, and it's it's so weird, like, how, I mean, like you're saying with your, your own dad, like, how that just kind of persists and it just colors everything that they do. Um, yeah. And how they treat people and everything, and it's just, oh, definitely. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, for me, it's just weird. Like, I mean, and I, I, I know it's got to be weird for you too, or there's maybe some level of understanding. I don't know, but it's just like, come on, guys, let's just, let's get over some of this stuff. I mean, <laughs> well, to to be fair, I have not spoken with either of my parents in about a year and a half now for like Seriously. mental health and stability reasons because. It just got to the point where it was too um, too unhealthy of a dynamic, mm-hmm. and anything that I had tried to heal and get past from when I was a kid, um, there there was very much this barrier from everybody of, we don't talk about it, mm-hmm. we don't want to resolve anything because that's in the past, and the past is taken care of now. Yeah. And especially with certain issues, I was not okay with that as an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it became a challenge to have a relationship and then with increased guilt and shame and awfulness of, of varieties, it, it just became untenable. I couldn't do it anymore. I'm so sorry, huh? Like... It, it's fine. Like, it's it's one of those things of do I wish things were, were different? Sure. In a lot of ways, that would be a hell of a lot easier and mm-hmm. I'd have perhaps a lot less anxiety. Mm-hmm. But... I can't change other people, which yeah. has been a really great lesson for the last, like, two years. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, you can change yourself. You cannot change others. <laughs> Don't try, you fucking idiot. Unless you've got a magic book of spells, but even we know that because of the rules of drama, it's not going to work out for you in the first place. <laughs> exactly. The moment you try and abracadabra your way through to something, no. If, if the craft has taught me anything, and it did... Uh, <laughs> It's that three so times. Many valuable lessons. <laughs> it's like so many valuable lessons from the '90s and how to dress like a goth and really draw attention to yourself by not drawing attention to yourself. Right. <laughs> but if it's taught me anything, it's that it'll come back threefold, as yes. per the requirements of Wicca. Uh, honestly, yeah. <laughs> I I may not be a religious person at all, mm-hmm. but I do fully believe that what you do comes back to you. So. Don't be a dick. Yeah, just, if, if the, in the immortal words <laughs> of yeah, exactly in the immortal words of Will Wheaton, just don't be a dick. <laughs> like, right? 
I kind of wish that people on the internet would just take that to heart because I've been riding the anxiety high, I think, since Friday. So Probably. Oh, God. At least today, it's... Actually, it started petering off Sunday, so... Oh, good. Okay. I haven't even had a chance to check on what that whole garbage business has been because I figured anything that pops up, you're just deleting Mm -hmm. because... God knows it is not worth the hassle and the anxiety mess that follows trying to combat trolls on the internet. Oh, like just, and it's so weird because I'd, I'd written that article two, like almost two, two going on three weeks ago. Right. And so, and, and you figure after the initial week, week? yeah, cause <laughs> things are, I mean, especially with the internet, things are so oh, like done, you know, one, two, three, go. Um, and so things don't linger as often as they used to. And, and so after that, that week I was like, okay, I was anxious if something would happen that week, but now nothing's happening. And then I let my guard down. Yeah. Um, So I don't, I mean, obviously I could do the detective work and try to figure out who shared it, but God knows who got a hold of it was probably doing some kind of a search, saw it and decided to be an asshat and put it on Reddit and 4chan. (laughs) Probably. I mean, there's really no... There's no point in trying to track down the internet patient zero with mm-hmm. something like this. Oh, yeah. Because God only knows. If it's a public anything, mm-hmm. somebody is going to take issue with it. Somebody is going to be like, did you guys see this? Mm-hmm. And share it with a bunch of like-minded people who will then dogpile on top of whomever has offended them so deeply. Oh, my God, yeah. And it was just, it was like all Friday. Like, I was still doing my job. I was still working. Sure. But at the same time, it was like, kept going back to my email and seeing those updates and everything. And it was just like, uh-huh. fuck, I've never feared going to my email before. Right. Um, and so actually what I ended up doing was changing the parameters for commenting. So, really? Yeah, because um, with WordPress, they have a pretty decent spam filter. Oh, okay. Um, but then I also changed it, because you have to have a, an email to to comment, but, you know, they can just make up whatever email they want. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish that those parameters would be changed where it's like, it has to be a valid email address. Um, but whatevs. Uh, yeah. But there's also a function where you can change it so that they have to log in. So oh. I think the so more... So it can't just be on- anonymous comments exactly. of assholes? It has to, you have to go through an extra step. And I think that deters a lot of people as well, where it's like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta do one more thing to tell of, her she's a yeah. fucking bitch. <laughs> out of laziness or out of the internet dickwad theory where you're no longer absolutely anonymous. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I, th- I think that's, that maybe stops some of it, or it could just as well be that, you know, it, it was a flash in the pan over the, you know, Friday through Sunday. It was just like, okay, this is the big thing now, well, you know, at least for that you know, portion of, uh, of the internet. And then, right. it, and then it just kind of is sloughing off. I mean, I assume I'm going to get the, you know, occasional comments, maybe little waves here and there because nothing sure. ever dies completely, no. <laughs> but it's just like the level of, uh, it's like, I, I know I used to be, I mean, I was an angry person growing up, sure. like my teenage years, often the jerk years for most people. Right. Um, I mean, I was just, I was just pissed at the world and, um, I just didn't write a lot of poetry about it. So thank God. <laughs> exactly. Although my dad thought I was going that way. Um, cause I did write poems, but they weren't about like how my life sucked. They were just poems. They were just random poems. 
Right. Um, he read a few of them and then, like, God bless my dad. Uh, he, he tries sometimes. He does try to parent, <laughs> but he would go to my mom and be like, I'm, I'm concerned. You know, do you think that she's, you know, okay and everything? And my mom would just be like, yeah, she's fine. She's just working things out. Like, is she smoking the drugs? <laughs> exactly. I think my mom always had more confidence in my ability to get over certain things than myself or even my dad ever did. Right. Um, but anyway. I but, think she had a definite better hold on what your your mental temperature was. I think so, yeah. Because your mom and, and you seem very similar in a lot of ways. Oh, we are. It's It's kind of unreal like how similar we are and and not through any like intention of mine no it's not like I'm trying to emulate my mother but it's just you're you know you're raised around someone and you pick up on a a few things like expressions and sense of humor right (laughs) or certain gestures for instance oh yeah I I actually ran into my uncle not very long ago at the because because I live in the same area as a lot of you know my family you right. run into them occasionally. On occasion. Oh, yeah. And I ran into my uncle at the store, and I was just telling him about the, the Oni Press, the comic book thing. Uh-huh. Oh, the submission form. And then he just kind of starts staring at me for a little bit. Like, <laughs> not in a weird way, but it's it's enough that I notice it. And I'm like, what? What's going on? He's like, You're, you look so much like your mother. Like, that kind of, like, just, and he's older than my mom by about, I want to say, eight years. Oh, goodness. Something like that. Now, Wait. No, 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 no. Five? No, yeah, 55. No, four. Sorry. I Wow. Uh, I tacked on a whole extra, like, four years on that one. Um, but, but he's, I mean, he obviously, uh, he was pretty close with my mom as they were growing up anyway. But, yeah, he's just, he's kind of said this thing before, too, where he's like, you know, you're, you, your mouth, like, you're, you, you kind of talk the same way your mom does. And it's not, you know, not in a bad way. I'm like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> Like, it's just these strange things where he'll he'll pick up on that, and my mom and I don't really see it, but whatever. <laughs> well, no, because it's hard to recognize your own gestures, expressions, or sentiments when they're reflected back at you sometimes, especially mm-hmm. if it's somebody you've been around for such a long time, like your parents. Oh, definitely. It really does take an outside perspective to be like, did you realize how similar you are? <laughs> I'm like, no! <laughs> Please, do tell. <laughs> but, uh... What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, anger. That thing. Right. Anger. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, I was I was really, like, messed up anger-wise. And and I still kind of carried that with me when I started writing, especially, uh-huh. like, the full-time, well, not full-time, but doing the stuff for, like, Word of the Nerd. And then I started sloughing off on the anger, like, probably in the last couple of years, because it's just, it's not professional. You know, and if I want to be taken seriously for any kind of writing, it's, you know, I've got to fall back less on fuck shit, God damn it, and all that kind of, you know, unless it's for like a, a, a joke moment or something like right. that. But You have to have more. Exactly. You have to have a better vocabulary. <laughs> than, a little bit. Yeah, just slightly, I would think. But uh, yeah, reading some of those comments, it it just reinforces that fact. You know, it's 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 really you can call it snooty, entitled, whatever you want to, but it, it really shows an edu- you know the education of some people when all they have to use are those awful words. Like, and just and when I was describing this, because I went over and <laughs> I went to my mom's after work, and I was like, I need a hug, right? Um, and we were talking about it. I mean, I didn't show her. 
the comments, but I was no. I was telling her about it, and and it was just like I the way I described it was think of every word you could possibly call a woman to belittle or uh, you know humiliate her, and I I saw those words thrown at me in the you know in the span of two hours, yeah. like all of them, <laughs> and it's like. And then I started thinking, like, I'm, again, still only getting a sliver of this. I mean, I don't know how long this is going to go on, and and by all rights, it could continue on occasionally for however long. But, again, it's it's like people like Anita Sarkeesian and Brianna Wu and um, Zoe Quinn, they get it every day, like, constantly, nonstop. To the point that they have to, you know, um, call the police, they, they get phone calls, all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, I, I hope to God that doesn't, you know, happen to me, but it's a, it's a possibility. I don't know if that would happen because of a comic book, because gamers seem really intent on getting contact with people. (laughs) It it really, there's no way of telling, Mm -hmm. honestly, because it seems to be if you, if you're anything besides a white, cisgendered, heterosexual male, and you're on the internet... If you have an opinion that is public, it seems to be that is what signs you up for the ability to get a whole bunch of hate mail that is specifically structured to attack whatever it is about you that is different from white, cisgendered, heterosexual male. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with a white, cisgendered, heterosexual male. I know a lot of them, and some of them are really awesome people. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, because... That is the dominant power structure in place on the internet, in the, the world stage at large for the most point. It makes it really hard for anybody who's not those things to, to have some sort of a public voice that's not immediately shouted down. And in a lot of cases, shouted down violently, mm-hmm. which is what you're getting a lot of. And it's, it's for no other reason than for your, your speaking and using your voice. Yeah. And it's like... I'm completely open to discourse. I understand people having, you know, obviously I'm going to have a different opinion than a lot of people. I get why a lot of people like the killing joke. I do understand it. I've read it. Like there's stuff in it that I actually do like. Um, But yeah, it's just like when you have like one problem with it, because God forbid that we not treat it as sacrosanct. Right. Because the thing was fucking written in 1988. I mean, Jesus Christ. We've let go of the members-only jackets. Can we not let go of the rape scene? Ugh, be so nice. I mean, and and I got a couple of comments that were were very nice, and they were they were just plainly asking me, and I, I plan to actually respond to them eventually. It's just I'm kind of taking a break from the Wouldn't website have for a minute, mentally. Yeah, um, but uh, the uh, they were just kind of asking, like you know, if they managed to rewrite the character in in the in the animated movie. To uh, like give her a bigger role, or in terms of like a more active one, and, oh, and right. and I could understand that. Like uh, I could see them trying to, you know, if you're going to adapt something from the '80s into 2015, maybe not go the exact route of um, what was it, The Dark Knight Returns, and completely mm. stick it in the '80s, which is that book is more, you know, uh, more kind of centered in that. So I could, because there's more like the Ronald Reagan stuff and everything. So I can, I can understand trying to keep that back in the eighties, but this one doesn't necessarily have to be, you can totally adapt it for a 2015 audience and not, um, I I mean, 
again, I got comments where it's like, what, because violent things can't happen? It's like, dumb shit, that's not the point. Um, violence happens to everybody, but this, the violence towards Barbara Gordon and the killing joke is very specific. Um, yeah. And it's one that's validated constantly in her background. And it's uh, it's one of those things that's so a part of, it's so ingrained in our society um, that we seem to think that it's it's just, a, you know, I don't know, like the casualness of it, I guess, is what bothers me. Uh, and how DC is just so like, well, we've got to honor the killing jokes. Like, well, you can and you don't have to honor everything about it. Like, I mean... I don't know how you do it. I mean, obviously with adaptation, you have to take certain story elements into account, but there's got to be a way that Barbara can still be an active participant and, you know, and yes, maybe, you know, still get shot. Maybe, maybe we could take the rape out of it. I don't know. I would like that. The great. violence aspect of it could at least be adapted to something that is less centered on sexualized violence. Yeah. Because that has also been something that uh, censorship like pro-censorship people have been using against media and especially comic books and video games is that that genre of entertainment sexualizes violence. Mm -hmm. Not like others don't, by the way. Like books and movies are completely possible to have sexualized violence. Mm -hmm. But because they're not as popular, comic books and video games have received a lot of flack for having sexualized violence being inherently present. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be exactly it came from there to a certain point like there was a lot of sexualized violence in the inception of these these mediums but it really doesn't have to be there anymore you've got so many different aspects and different stories that are being told without that aspect to it Mm -hmm. it's just it's not that you can't do it it's just a matter of laziness now yeah exactly it's like Yes, rape is still, like, is something that happens every day. It happens to sure. women. Uh, it happens to mostly happens women. To happens to men. Um, no one's saying that it doesn't. But the the fact is that the more you kind of put it out there, especially in the media, like, I mean, there's an entire industry built on, like, Law & Order SVU. I mean, yeah. and that's... Because it's, it's the visual aspect of these things. Because with books and everything, what you have here is more of the theater of the mind kind of thing. Right. Um, when you have things like television, movies, comic books, or even animated movies or something like that, you're, you're visualizing something that then becomes ingrained in the person watching them. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're looking at young kids, because, you know... Uh, one of the, I remember one of the comments was like, fuck kids. That's like, God. oh my God. It's like these, the, the weird thing for me has also been the animated movies and how they've progressed in terms of the ratings that they're getting. Yeah. And I mean, I'm by no means a prude when it comes to animated movies or, no. you know, sex violence in general. I enjoy a lot of violent movies. Yeah. And I have seen plenty of stuff with sex in it. Um, but it's, the thing is, like, when you get to the animated movies, you're also dealing with a very different territory. Um, because, especially through Warner Brothers in DC, these were ostensibly marketed towards a younger audience. Right. You know, a, a lot of the early um, animated movies were just kind of, sh- you know, offshoots of the, of the television series. Right. Um, and Which then, was on Disney Afternoons. Yeah, exactly. Like you You're know, not marketing that to 35-year-old men. <laughs> <laughs> or are you? Um, uh. I know, right? But they, 
and depending on what book they were adapting, they would adjust accordingly. I mean, under the Red Hood, they took out whole swaths of story because that book has so much going on in it anyway, but they kept the essential story. You know, Jason, Jason Todd beaten up to death, blowed up in a, in a thing and then comes back. Uh, that's the essential story. Um, but yeah, then there was all this other like father son bullshit going on there. Um, but, and the thing is, is with the killing joke, it's, it's very much, centered on three characters for the most part. It's Batman, the Joker, and Jim Gordon. And Barbara is just kind of an afterthought. She's there to get shot as another... She's a piece. Exactly. She's motivation for Batman, and she's also motivation for Gordon, because he gets to have his stand-up moral moment when he's been tortured and blah, 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 beyond all reason. So, of course, he would turn out like the Joker, too, correct? But no! (laughs) Jim Gordon... That's so pedestrian, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you've set up this character to be a moral pinnacle for so long. Why would you all of a sudden take one of the only moral centers of the Batman universe and just tank him in that one moment. And, and the thing is, I, I understand it from the narrative of the story. Cause it's, you know, the whole thing where the Joker's like, you know, it just takes one really, you know, terrible day, you know, right. you know one moment, uh, to really turn someone into someone like me or, yeah, blah, blah, blah. or yeah, or the Batman. Cause, and that's the fascinating thing is that the Joker and Batman are two people defined ostensibly by a moment. Right. Um, the Joker's is a little bit more nebulous because you don't really know if that story <laughs> is true or not. But right. but at the same time, a lot of people seem to think it's the real story where it's like, guys, he, he kind of says that it possibly, probably isn't true. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and Jim Gordon is kind of stuck in the middle of that. And that's fine. That's that's a story in and of itself. Sure. And, and that is for the most part, the entire killing joke. Barbara comes in as just kind of that extra push for Jim to be all like, oh God, my daughter's been... She was supposed to be the snap. Yeah, she's the the straw and he's the camel. Right. Um, and, And I can get that, but there's also a way to show that without having to resort to, I guess, a more graphic... Um, uh, means of sexual violence because yeah. um, like it was in, uh, what is it? Mad Max Fury Road. Uh-huh. We understand that the brides, the, the wives and everything have been sexually assaulted. Right. But we never saw a scene that depicted it. And it was never explicitly mentioned either. Exactly. Which shows that you can still have rape and sexual assault as part of the backstory, but you don't have to show it in such great detail. And it can be a defining part of the history of a character as well as it was in Mad Max Fury Road, Mm -hmm. but that was what so many people loved about the movie was that it didn't go into the nitty-gritty gory details, because for all of us who are a, let's let's say an increased risk factor just mm-hmm. by strictly having a vagina. Mm-hmm. You're at an increased risk factor of sexual assault. Or, you know, even further, if you are trans or anything outside of the normal cis-presenting, you know, gender identity, your risk factors go up exponentially. Mm-hmm. But it never once showed anything of that, and it was still one of the most fantastic movies. Oh my god, I just want to, like, I want it to be on Blu-ray so fast. So I, can I know. Like, I want to watch conversely, it. But conversely, what they've done 
done with the actual graphic novelization oh. is just completely take all of that back. See, I I didn't read it, and then I started seeing people. Don't. Like, yeah, I, yeah. From what I've heard, it's just going to ruin any kind of idea towards the, the movie itself, which I refuse to have because that movie right. is like a perfect gem of <laughs> of a beautiful. Don't sully this for me. Don't tear it apart. Because um, that's the thing. It's like I I. And that's sometimes my problem with, like, comic book prequels and all that shit. Yeah. It's just like, come on, unless... Because Star Wars. Oh, because Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, for the most part, prequels just never seem to work, period. Rarely. Uh, it's like, even with the X-Men movies. Mm. I mean, I've just had a terrible, like, love-hate relationship with... Actually, it's not even love. It's, like, mildly annoyed hate relationship <laughs> With the X-Men movies. So grudging acceptance to outright hatred. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, the only the only one I even found... Actually, like, the first one I find entertaining just because it's the first one. Right. But it does a huge disservice to Rogue. And that just carries oh, throughout the entire series. Yeah. And that's, like, infinitely frustrating to me because other than Storm, Rogue was, like, my favorite character because of the cartoon. Right. And... It's just like, why would you, why would you do this? Um, and so I like the first one for the most part. And then, uh, I mean, all the rest of them are kind of middling to just god-awful, especially when you get to the Wolverine solo movies. Must we? <laughs> we shouldn't, no. As much as I do adore Hugh Jackman, oh, and I do. I do love that man. <laughs> I, I can't get behind the Wolverine movies. I just can't. It mm. rips tiny pieces out of my soul and shits on them. <laughs> like, and my soul is not hamster newspaper filling. Oh, like, damn. <laughs> no, it's just not. Please stop. I assumed all souls were just made of, like, little pellets. <laughs> I mean, most of them, well, for if the, we're being honest. I mean, it's in the Bible. It's in the back somewhere, something like that. Clearly, it's in the appendix. Yeah, in the appendices <laughs> of the Bible. <laughs> That's Everything where... important is in the that's where Aragorn and Arwen's entire relationship was, right? Uh, basically, yes. Exactly. Uh, but you yeah, just expected to go with it. Because <laughs> I really, I did enjoy, like, genuinely enjoy Days of Future Past. Um, sure. I thought, in terms of a rewrite, if you wanted to, like, undo a lot of the awfulness of the previous mm. movies, it wasn't yeah. a terrible way to go. But it, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. I mean, I was actually expecting it to be a lot worse. But, right. Because um, that's where our expectations have led us to go. Exactly. And I know a lot of people who love those movies. I'm just not one of them. Uh, are, are they people who grew up with the comics, or are they people who didn't know better? You know, that's a weird Venn diagram of people, because mm. there are people who like genuinely adore the comics and the cartoon, sure. and, still, and, and love those movies, and then you can have the exact opposite reaction. It's, I don't know, it's just a, it's an odd thing, and a terrible way to pull, like, numbers. Mm. <laughs> it's actually interesting but you've you've seen a lot of that with several franchises like for mm -hmm. instance the transformers oh god uh i really liked some of the transformers cartoons i liked playing with some of the toys it was it was a lot of fun i was never fanatical about it because mm -hmm. you know i was a girl and not allowed to play with boys toys <clears throat> but you know i i still did yeah uh, and i still liked some of the cartoons when my brother would have it on but i saw the transformers movies and from the jump it has never been a franchise I've enjoyed. Ever. Oh no! Like that. Like I, it's not even just Shia LaBeouf because I hate him. But 
he wasn't the only one to ruin it for me, nor was Megan Fox. But as as more and more movies come out, I'm like, could we could we stop? <laughs> I don't I don't want to be on this ride anymore. It's not fun, <laughs> and Michael Bay shouldn't be making this much money, and I feel sick. Music's bad, and you should all feel bad. <laughs> pretty much yes. Like I I'm really. I know it's been said over and over again, but I'm really sick of, of seeing my childhood trotted out and then made to dance on stage for people. <laughs> yeah. It gets old after a minute. No, it really does. And it's like the, cause yeah, I mean, I was never like a Transformers person. Like I, I went to the cartoon occasionally when I was a kid, but it was mostly for me, it was like ghost, the real Ghostbusters, yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, oh, uh, G.I. Joe. <laughs> Uh, what was it? Gem. Watched a lot of gems. Oh, God. True. So, how sad are you right now? Well, uh, the gem comic is really good. Right. I love that, and I, ta- I I got to talk to Kelly Thompson, the writer of it, and she's awesome. Right. So Absolutely. I, I feel real good about the comic. <laughs> it's good that we're separating these things. I know, right? So, now, now let's, let's go a little deeper, my friend Sam. Okay. How well, do you feel about the movie? Uh, having seen the trailer, I'm not really all that, you know, happy or, <laughs> or positive that it's going to do well, because it's giving off a, because I actually do like the Josie and the Pussycats movie. See, I haven't seen it. Okay. It just didn't seem up my alley, so it, it's actually, explain this to me. Well, so the Josie and the Pussycats movie, uh, uh, do you know anything about, like, the comic or the cartoon? Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I okay. read the comic growing up and okay. stuff, but I never watched the movie because the, uh, the main gal, and her name escapes me right now, but mm-hmm. um, oh, what's she, was, she was a 90s kind of sensationalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in that movie with Freddie Prince Jr. that's escaping my, my brain entirely. Yeah, she's, she's the all one. That. She's all that's that. It. She's the one. <laughs> like, whatever. So, I, I really hated her quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just for no real reason other than she always seemed to have a kind of vacant expression on her face. Okay. And that makes me want to throttle whoever has vacant expressions on their face. So, like, (laughs) pre-warning to anybody out there listening, if you meet me, I will probably want to choke the life out of you if you just have some sort of vacant, drooling expression on your face. (laughs) Yeah. If it looks like I'm going to have to cluck your mouth closed and wipe the corner of your mouth from the drool that is projecting forth... I'm not going to be friends with you for long. <laughs> so she gave me that general feel, and for that reason, pretty much alone, I didn't watch it, because I watched the shit out of Spice World and enjoyed every minute of it for the corny awfulness that it was. See, that's how I view Josie and the Pussycats. It's um, it's very much a tongue-in-cheek movie. Okay. Because uh, well, that came out, like, what, late 90s, I want to say? I want to say, like, 98. Yeah, okay. Well, that's so, fair enough. Um, ish. <laughs> Ish. The 90s blurred for me. <laughs> circa can always mean five years plus or minus, so we'll just Which say... Which is glorious. We'll just say Circa 98. That gives us a nice little, like, 10-year buffer. Fantastical. Um, isn't it just? I love history <laughs> classes. <laughs> Ancient history, the Circa was your friend. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's commenting a lot on um, the... The basically the boy band craze and all that kind of stuff, because it opens with a a manufactured boy band which features what um, Seth Green, Breckenmeyer, <laughs> and Donald Faison in it. So if if that doesn't give you an idea of what you're in store for, I mean, you had me at Seth Green. I know, so. right? Um, 
so it, it starts off with that, but it's very, like, it's very commenting on that, and it's also very referential to the comic in a way. Oh! Uh, they have a character that shows up, like, towards the end, who hasn't even really been in the movie at all, and they're like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I was in the comic. Like, he just says that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, was it Alan Cumming and Parker Posey are playing the, like, quote-unquote villains? Oh, my. And they have, like, one of the best scenes towards the end of the movie, I think. Um, just the two of them are hilarious, so I think that's worth it alone. <laughs> I really do like Parker Posey, because, uh, just so odd. I know, so right? delightfully odd. It's like when she shows up, you're gonna, you just go like, you know what? I'm okay with this, because you're here now. <laughs> right? Everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> Parker's here. Oh, thank God. You're gonna save this, right? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I'd recommend it for at least a viewing. Um, I mean, if it's not up to your taste, that that's, I mean, that's fine. It's, I'm sure that I've watched worse movies, mm-hmm. and I plan on watching Sharknado 2 and 3. Oh, lord. So... <laughs> yes, Josie and the Pussycats is by far the better movie featuring Tara Reid, no, no less. Um, oh, I don't watch it because it's a good movie. I watch it because it's hilariously bad, and I really like to see sharks sawed in half with a chainsaw. Oh, that's fine. I, I love, uh, uh, was it, um, sci-fi movie of the week kind of bullshit. Yes! But I'm just saying Tara Reid is in all three of these movies. Oh, good lord. Yeah, she's in Josie and the Pussycats playing their drummer. Oh, really? And she's actually, this was before I think she went into the really terrible acting portion of her career, which I'm not saying it was always good from the beginning. Well, no, but, like, American Pie era and stuff like that wasn't bad. Yeah, so it's still in that bubble. So okay. she's still putting effort into things. <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. Um, and she, I mean, she's playing a ditzy blonde, but so she's she's Oh, it's perfect. right in her wheelhouse. Very much so. But they use that to their advantage, too. So it's, it's just, I think that the movie really works in terms fair of enough. what it is. Um, I, I think... You know, speaking of movies that work really well for what they were, mm-hmm. and Parker Posey as well, <laughs> uh, did you ever see Best in Show? I did. Oh, I love anything Christopher Guest makes. It's pretty <laughs> much <laughs> sold. <laughs> so I kind of, I like A Mighty Wind a little bit more, and she's in that one. I, think I haven't she, seen that one. Yeah, it's, it's basically them con- commenting on folk music. I, I saw it, like, coming out, and, and the previews for it and all that jazz but i just never picked up on the thing that would make me really want to see it Mm -hmm. so it it was one of those that flew under my radar and i will probably now watch per your recommendation because you have yet to lead me wrong (laughs) oh no that means i'm due for one well you may be but i've (laughs) known you for how many years now i was thinking about this the other day actually i think it's at least five it's probably more than, more than that. It's more than five, because I was, okay, I was in grad school when we met. Right. Yes. That was, I think it was yes, my first year of grad, grad school. school. So that you was... not an undergraduate. That was 2008. Uh-huh. So we've known each other, so it's 2008 to 15, what was it, seven years. Oh my god. I know, right? That's a little unreal. Isn't it? Like, oh. I'm about it. I'm pretty stoked that we've known each other that long. It just, I, I didn't think it had been that long. It's so weird. Like, um, so Carl, uh, last time <laughs> I, I talked to him, we, we were kind of sitting around and be like, you know, we've known each other for over a decade now. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just like, how does that happen? <laughs> so, That's I mean, terrifying. It's terrifying, but it's kind of cool at the same time. Cause, True. Uh, 
I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of friends. So to even right. have friendships that have gone more than a year, I feel like is a huge win. That's very fair. Mm-hmm. I I was not somebody who grew up with a whole bunch of friends in childhood. And then, of course, when I hit 17, I not quite literally, but very, very figuratively burned my life to the ground and decided I didn't want to know anybody from, you know, 17 to birth, basically. You burnt it down um, and salted the earth? I kind of did, and it was the best decision I've ever made, and I stick by that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, since then, I've I've had friendships, absolutely. I've even had really good friendships. But I've never had the experience of I've had a best friend for life, or <laughs> I've worked with, with somebody in my life for so long that it's like I've always known them kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear people describe that, I'm like, that's... That's kind of weird. I mean, like, cool, but, huh. Yeah. Right. So so to hear that we have known each other for seven years is a little bit unreal. It's like, wow. Cool. Yeah. And I also still like you more than when I first met you. So you know that any friendship where you've had a person in your life for an extremely long time, especially with as many changes as both you and I have gone through for Definitely. the past seven years, uh, <laughs> if you can still remain friends and also increase your friendship over that same period of time, that's that's saying something pretty significant about the quality of person you've got in your life. So thank you for oh, being in my life. Thank you as well, sweetie. <laughs> like, I love you. We just need some drinks. We're like, I love you, man. No, I love you. No, no, you don't. You don't. You don't understand. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, yeah. It it is pretty impressive, though, when you consider how quickly friendships are formed and lost in the era of social media, and what friendship actually means now versus what it used to, sort of. Oh yeah, no. I mean, even. I mean, kind of treading back on that the whole comment situation, mm-hmm. it's it's really weird because for some reason it's like you don't perceive of people online as people to an extent. To an extent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I know that there's a physical person. Absolutely. But it's almost unreal when it, you know, it's, and, and it's such a, a place of privilege to say this too. And it's like when it starts coming at you, you know, when, when you're attacked uh, on that level. Right. I guess. I mean, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. It was just like when they start, when the, the waves started coming in and just the way I've been dealing with anxiety lately, I mean, I'm trying not to cope with alcohol, but it's a strong contender. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, I have to have a coping mechanism. It's like looking at that whiskey bottle going, oh, it's going to be you and me tonight, Jack. <laughs> but I haven't gotten to that point yet. Which is good. I know, right? I don't want to turn into my father. No, not really. Um, but uh, but it's just that that weird like sensation of uh, like your skin crawling and knowing that another person, a real flesh and blood human being, caused it. Yeah. Without actually having to physically touch you. Um, that just like that's what gives me out, and I think continues to give me out despite knowing that I am safe. You know, right, right. now. So, I don't know. And not wanting to go too far into the whole fear aspect, but, you know, in 
in the era of technology, it is possible for people to uh, more quickly reach out and touch you for good or for bad. Mm -hmm. And it is really disheartening to see how many people choose to use that that aspect, that way of connecting with another person Mm -hmm. and just be a total jackass. Yeah, it's it's like there are times when I really love the internet. Like Twitter has yeah, has proven that it can be a really amazing force for like social change and all that kind of stuff sure. when utilized properly. Absolutely, um, rest- it's equally possible to be a positive force for change as it is to get Kylie Jenner's latest butt selfie out. Ugh. Yeah, mm. I was trying to think of the worst thing that I could you know, come up with at the top of my head, and I've recently read The Five People That Are Having a Worse Monday Than You by some e-cards, and Kylie <laughs> Jenner was part of that, so it was it was what came to mind. Will the Jenner-Kardashian family ever get out of the spotlight? I really hope so. I mean, I'm, I am all for uh, trans visibility coming to, to a more socially conscious aspect via Caitlyn Jenner. Mm-hmm. I'm really actually thrilled that that's the case yeah um but something that was written recently and and that really resonated with me was the fact that caitlin is unfortunately insulated in such a huge privilege bubble Mm -hmm. that um you know caitlin is a republican a very staunch republican unfortunately Mm -hmm. and so a lot of her views um the fiscally conscious republican for instance uh really really harm people who are in a similar life position in that they are also trans, Mm -hmm. but that they don't have the benefit of wealth and of publicity and of agents and people who are looking out for her, you know, 24 seven, they don't have that. Yeah. I, I, this might, maybe it was the same article we were reading, but uh, yeah, because it's all about, you know, because Laverne Cox is a really great example of, you know, and she's she's amazing. I love uh, her so much. I know, right? Uh, her just being very frank and open and honest about her life and her experiences and her her visibility as a yes. person of uh, a woman of color, a trans uh, transgender person on a, a show that's very popular. Yeah, uh, you know, she's a great like um, positive force for change. And Absolutely. I'm not saying that Caitlyn Jenner can't be, but no. yeah, her. Um, the articles that have been written about her that were actually not like body shaming or anything like that uh, are basically just kind of saying a lot of the same things. Like she has all this money and all this representation and she can get the, the pretty photo shoots and you know, she has, she already has a TV show around her, you know, after all of this, it's like you're, she's getting a lot more attention than most people who are trans will ever get. And she has the benefit of being able to look how she wants to look more than most trans people get because they can't afford the hormones, they can't afford the sex change, they can't afford pretty much anything except, you know, just wearing the clothes that they need to. Well, not even so much the can't afford as don't have the option. Mm. Because trans is a very wide umbrella, and within that umbrella there are people who have a myriad of as many different gender identities and presentations Mm -hmm. as there are types of people in the world and there's a fucking lot of them yeah you know there's a lot of goddamn people in the world really no it's right so (laughs) i i identify as somebody who is gender fluid Mm -hmm. and tend towards more of a gender neutrality in how 
I personally identify and present when I'm not having to essentially put on a show, right? Mm -hmm. Because I am assigned female at birth, and therefore if I am under pressure or if I'm going someplace uncomfortable, I find myself retreating into what is essentially easy, Mm -hmm. because I'm very easily identified as feminine presenting because of how my body looks, being very busty, having a big butt, wide hips, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So... In gender fluidity, there is some body dysmorphia, sure. Um, For me, at least, that's not true for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I have the the benefit of being able to, at certain times, fluctuate between what I I want to present as, what I can present as, and I can rationalize that a little. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go into, you know, somebody who is trans, say they were assigned male at birth, and they are female they identify as female and they are doing everything that they can to to change their outward presentation Mm -hmm. to reflect that identity it is very much a classism issue where you can't necessarily afford to do all of those things that would easily identify you as female Mm -hmm. you can't afford outside uh you know facial reconstructive surgery you can't afford the nice clothes, the makeup, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, it, it is a choice whether or not you want to go through any sort of um, genital, genital reconstruction, general reassignment, anything medically procedural. Mm-hmm. That should be a personal choice. Yeah. And it should also be something that is covered under like mental and emotional health and well-being And it should be an option, but it simply isn't. Mm -hmm. It isn't an option for so many people. And that is, I think, one of the the great tragedies of not only our healthcare system, but our society is that we don't afford people that that privilege is what it essentially is now. And Caitlin is very fortunate in the fact that she did have the option to do whatever and how much ever of, of a transition in her body. And she looks wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and slam her high femme presentation of femininity. Yeah. If that's what she wanted to go with, awesome. And, and that's the whole thing. Like, femininity is all in the, in the eye of the beholder anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you and I, I think, both have very, you know, we present in, I think, very similar ways in, in terms of our femininity. But um, <laughs> in, in, the, in the sense that we just like wearing ch- jeans and a t-shirt, practically. Yep. Like, and that can be feminine, masculine, nothing, everything. Exactly. Well, and the fact is, like, I feel like sometimes I can get away with more of the tomboy stuff because my boobs are not as big. <laughs> That's true. If if you if you were um, not cisgendered female, if you had any sort of non-binary identity that you wanted to portray, it would be easier because. You, you don't necessarily have as much of a, oh my god, that person's so female, right? <laughs> or it's easier to hide it. She's so girly. Oh my god, look at the girl. <laughs> Which is unfortunately bullshit because mm-hmm. your, your sexual organs, be they primary or secondary, because mm-hmm. remember folks, your breasts are not primary sexual organs. <laughs> they are secondary sexual features. They're just sacks of fat. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and that feeds into the whole aspect of, like, 
breastfeeding, for instance, and why when somebody makes a comparison between, well, I can't have my dick out in public. <laughs> no, you can't, because that's your primary sexual organ, you fucking asshole. Let people breastfeed in peace. It's like, God for yeah, I'm sure if women wanted to put their vag out, they would totally do it, right? <laughs> uh, no. It's <laughs> like, so, you know how unsanitary that would be? Right. Snail trails forever, guys. Like, it's bad enough we have to use public restrooms sometimes. Like, Jesus Christ. Oh my god, yes. Talk to me when you have to actually sit down 100% of the time, and then you can complain about the the content of your bathroom. Exactly. Just just tell me when you had to squat over a toilet seat, because you were really unsure. Right. (laughs) Real unsure and real fucking sad. Oh man, when I was uh, when I traveled to Europe back in like what I think it was like a couple years. Oh, no, not a couple, but a few years ago. It's a few now. It's a few. It's quite a it's bit. Graduated to a few. Yes, because um, the most recent one, notwithstanding, because <laughs> I'm so European. Right. Um, You're so cultural. Oh my god. Um, it's like rally, darling, rally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh we were doing a tour and i think i think it was in italy uh-huh. we had to stop uh we stopped at a rest resting area and there weren't enough stalls for the women but there was a men's bathroom that was actually like had no one in it because right. i mean nine times in emergencies out. you go oh yeah so we started like doing this lookout thing where it's just kind of like okay one woman goes in we look out and if there's a guy we wait until and, you know it's just this whole right. system you have a system exactly you develop a system because this is how women get things done <laughs> yep. like, <laughs> is there a problem let me fucking solve that shit right now <laughs> exactly it's like we all have to go to the bathroom we all can't do it at the same time so we're gonna systematically send one person into the mail room it's like, oh shit, a man's coming. Quick, get them out, get them out. Now, now, soldiers. Scatter, scatter. <laughs> Watch out for Charlie's in the trees. <laughs> I'll cover you, soldier. <laughs> Pretty much. That's when you send somebody to distract the man, then the other person sneaks out, and done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so there's, a, there's always like these things that you know women can actually get away with sometimes that I understand men can. It's like men just walking into a woman's uh, bathroom is just all kinds of no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, conversely, I, I'm also of the mind it's not great to uh, police people's gender identity when it comes to restrooms, Florida. Mm hmm. Well, that was what was great about um, Emerald City Comic Con uh, this, mm-hmm. this last year, is that they did the first uh, transgender restroom. Like gender neutral? Yeah, basically they they Probably. basically said that it, this is open to anybody. Like um, instead of like I don't think they called it unisex, but I think they said I think it was trans, something like that. It basically right. on the lines of doesn't matter, man, woman, you know, uh, whatever you identify as, you can come into this bathroom and you. Oh, see, that's so lovely. Exactly, and I think they. I don't want to say they were the first, but it could be. Don't They're probably me. one of the first major cons to do that. Exactly, which I think is is really freaking sweet. I mean, just that. Yeah. And it just kind of shows, like, the changing nature of not only our, our just overall culture, but even just the culture of Comic-Con, um, at least on that level with Emerald City, because it's still not as big as San Diego, but it's getting there. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's progressing, certainly. Mm-hmm. It's like, because uh, I think the... Not next year, but maybe the year after. It's going to be four days instead Jesus of three. Jesus Christ, really? I know, right? 
I don't. So it's approaching PAX levels essentially. It's getting there. I mean, it just it it keeps getting bigger. I mean, it's it's not the worst thing ever, but the the crowds. I think that they think that the four days will like disperse the 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 people a little bit, but I don't know. <laughs> It, it certainly hasn't done that with PAX. It just has made it so that you're dying by the end of the time. Mm. Yeah, because by the end of this last one, I mean, I think I, I got sick afterwards, so I, I caught con crud. <laughs> so, um, right. Shit. And which which does happen with most of them, unfortunately. Well, it, so it's weird because, like, the last few I've gone to, nothing. Just perfectly fine. So it was... I think it was just general exhaustion after a while that seeped in. Um, yeah, that's fair. So I couldn't imagine four days. Like, I I don't think I could do four days, like, as a as a journalist, quote-unquote. <laughs> so. to, to be fair, you also have a more exhaustive schedule, for lack of a better term, mm. as a presenter. That's true. <laughs> so uh, as, as just somebody who is going to these things... I definitely don't have anywhere that I need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it's it's nice to have a um, it's nice to have a break whenever I want one. So, for instance, PAX, which is my primary con that I love and adore, uh, I do love it. But you know what else is really nice? Hmm. Being able to leave for a minute. Yeah, that's so, awesome. <laughs> I, I love being on the, the con floor. I love meeting up with people and going to see things. But I guarantee goddamn to you, I spend less than a tenth of my time actually playing any of the games mm-hmm. that are there for packs. I totally just, I meet up with my friends. I meet new people. I hang out in band land. I, I do all <laughs> sorts of stuff. None of which involves sitting in a line for six hours to play one goddamn game. Oh, man. My... My sister was thinking about going to Comic-Con, I think, last year, and she was, like, talking about, like, maybe there's a panel she want to go to and blah, blah, blah. And I told her, I told her, it's like, okay, some of these you're going to have to be prepared to sit in line um, yeah. or wait for, because, and then I also told her, because I don't, I've, I've kind of stopped doing a lot of panels, you know, lately in terms of, like, as an audience attendee. Right. Just because... Well, because now you're presenting some, so... Well, yeah, depending on the con, because, yeah, I have the Geek Girl con this year, which I'm super excited about. Yes. <laughs> Talking about cartoons is always fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, but that one, at least, because Geek Girl con is still small. I mean, right. this is For only now. its fifth year. Yeah. So it definitely is getting bigger, but I think its, it's growth is going to be a little bit um, on the smaller side than Emerald City. Sure. Not quite as exponential as, as exactly. the ECCC. Which is great. I think that that's actually good. So they can Agreed. just take its time and just really, like, uh, figure itself out as to, you know, where it's going to go, I suppose. Hopefully. Um, but, uh, but I was trying to tell uh, my sister, just like, look, here's the thing. Uh, there's always going to be someone willing to wait longer than you. It's like, if yep. you, you want to wait two hours, someone's going to be waiting four hours. Uh, it's like... It, it really only, I mean, unless you really want it, and I've only done it um, a couple of times, and one was when it was the 20th anniversary of uh, Batman the Animated Series, and uh, got into the room, and then I just stayed in that room for the next, like, three panels, because it was all animation. It was Pinky and the Brain, and Animaniacs, and then it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and all that kind of stuff. So oh, wow. Yeah. So, and, and I think Futurama and The Simpsons, so... Uh, I just stuck... All the things. Yeah, it was basically all the cartoons I ever wanted to talk about 
all in one room, one panel after the other. And if after each panel, I moved up like a few more rows. <laughs> so started the uh, the Batman panel very much towards the back. Uh, each one moved closer and closer. And progressively, I creep closer to the stage. Exactly. I got up right to the microphone, right up there. <laughs> I got to ask Rob Paulson a question. <laughs> well, and I've been trying to get him on the podcast, too. Like, I, I finally had an email address I could um, send a thing. Oh, yay! So it's just like, because we're, we're friends on Twitter, so mm-hmm. there's that, but he's really busy. Like, and understandably so. The man's like a workaholic, and he's the voice of all of our childhood. So, right. uh, especially now that cartoon voiceover actors are so much bigger now. Um, than they were even, like, I wouldn't even say five years ago. Um, right, absolutely. Yeah, because especially with, like, the internet and everything, pe- more people know who voice, actor are, voice actors are now than they ever did. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. The only reason I even knew who Rob Paulson was because I watched so many freaking cartoons that I just saw his name all the time. You're like, hey, I know that! I know that name! <laughs> I recognize that voice! Oh my god! <laughs> Have you seen the, um, I Know That Voice, the documentary? No! Oh, this is a good one. So, I don't, it might still be on Netflix, but I, I got it on iTunes. Uh, so it's basically, like, a 90-minute documentary that was produced by, um, John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender. <laughs> oh, God! Yeah. And so it's basically kind of chronicling somewhat the history of voiceover actors, but a, a lot of it is just centered around the business of being a voiceover actor. Um, Which I imagine would be somewhat complex and odd. It really is. I mean, it's just, it goes into, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, um, some of their backgrounds. Like, they all come from performance backgrounds for the most part. Uh, basically, the the different tricks a lot of them do to, to develop character voices and all that. So, it really kind of gets into the business and, and I guess, more so the process of, of being enough. a voice actor. And it's really cool because you just get to see all of these people who voiced, like, not only cartoons from your past, but even, like, current stuff, too. Oh, wow. Oh, it's so cool. And they, they devote a little bit of time to, like, the Looney Tunes, like, Mel Blanc and everything. and The era. Oh, yeah. Essentially, of, of voice actors who all did six million voices. Shit, yeah. It's just like, man. Although, to be fair, with people who are doing, like, The Simpsons, for instance, that is the person of six million voices as well. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, like, when um, Harry Shearer was possibly not going to be coming back for like the next two years right. <laughs> uh, for the supposedly ne- last two seasons because they say that every time every they're... time so oh my god the simpsons might not be on fox anymore it's like really i i, I mean i say this with all kinds of love towards the simpsons of course maybe it should stop <laughs> yeah i really think it should now it's like i love you guys but it's really i mean and i know this is coming from a a, a person who witnessed the golden age of the Simpsons at the time, but it's just like, it's just not, it's not my show anymore, obviously. It's right. another generation's show now. Uh, to be fair, I really do think that certain shows should stop. Mm-hmm. Like South Park, for instance, probably <laughs> another one of those that I love you, South Park. I really do. But maybe, maybe stop. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I think there's they're still doing okay uh, for my part, but again, it's always to whatever your taste is. I'm super hit and miss with South Park now. Yeah, like it's it's one of those that I like some episodes and I like them a lot, and then other ones I'm like what are what are you doing? I think they've got a good model though going with the thirteen like 
every, what, six months or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, their seasons are so short where you're just like, hey, South Park's back, cool. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, oh my god, this is now interminable. It's like, I can't fucking stand this anymore. <laughs> um, But yeah, going back to Harry Shearer, like, yes. when he said he wasn't coming back, it's just like, do they not realize how many voices he does? <laughs> I mean, when they were saying, like, oh, they'll just get other people to do the voices, like, seriously, won't. let's look at IMDb and look at all the voices Harry Shearer does that are, like, essential to The Simpsons now. Like, yeah. not one-off characters. No. Like, per, you know, these, it's like Skinner, uh, Mr. Burns, Smithers. You know, it's just, like, the full teams of people that he needs to... Flanders, for crying out loud. Yeah. It's like, like, I really don't think you're going to find somebody who can do all of those, and you will end up paying them more money, mm-hmm. and it'll be shittier, because <laughs> you won't have somebody who can perfectly imitate it. You just... No. Won't. It's it's kind of like when um, when Jim Henson died, and um, and the, the... I mean, he's the, he's the voice and the soul of Kermit. And yes. there have been a lot of people who have done Kermit, you know, after him. I mean, his son, I think, took over for a long time, and yeah. I think he, I mean, obviously because he's a son, he got the closest to sounding like him, um, but everyone after that, there's always just this level of, of I guess, Kermit's gravitas that seems like it's lost. Yeah. You know, he, he sounds too sweet now, if if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. I, I'm on board. Because yeah, Kermit used to be a lot more, I mean, he was he was a good character he was a good person but he also had a lot more i think of a a biting kind of more sarcastic side to him that i i feel like since jim henson died he hasn't really had as much in in subsequent movies and television shows and whatnot so it's it's always been kind of floofier little bit like he's much more the he's more straight man now than he ever was because even on the muppet show he got some good digs in like he had that kind of like underlying wit that made him really lovable, I think. But now he's just much more the well-meaning, like, come on, guys, we got to put a show together. Yeah. Come on, man! Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, it's it's fine yeah. for what it is, but there's, like, every once in a while I miss that, like, oh, come on, Kermit's got to have a good line in there. He's got to have a zinger. That's that's Kermit. <laughs> and that that's pretty indicative of a lot of shows from yours and my past. Mm-hmm. Um, they're... They're fine. They're fine for kids' consumption and everything like that. But if you were either a really sarcastic kid, like I was, or you're watching them as a slightly older kid or an adult, there's just stuff in there that you'll get that you wouldn't if you were younger or more naive. Mm-hmm. Like cer- certain things about Toy Story, for instance. <laughs> like, there, there are just aspects to a lot of the media that we grew up with that that were on multiple levels, and I really appreciated that. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like one of the levels, like for the for the panel I'm doing at Geek Girl Con, the yes. uh, subversion in Western animation kind of stuff, right? Because um, that's, and I don't know if this necessarily counts as subversive. I really have to kind of like pin my definition of how this works down, but it's the whole idea of like getting stuff past the censors. Uh, cause like with Animaniacs, I mean, this is the prime example of the fingerprints, uh, uh line. I yes. mean, 
pretty much anyone who's watched Animaniacs knows this. Uh, (laughs) But it's 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 one of those things where it's like this is clearly this is a show for kids that's also throwing stuff in for adults and for the kids to eventually figure out. Right. When you go back and you rewatch it, you're like, holy shit! What? What the hell? Uh, I mean, it's that. It's like, you know, when I used to do, I had to defend The Simpsons to my father because he was just animation in general, he thought was just for children. Um, So as I grew up and still continued watching them, he was just kind of like, what? Why are you doing this? You're an adult now. It's like, yeah. And (laughs) what's your point, father? Um, But yeah, so I'd have to defend The Simpsons because being like, there's. Yeah, they're slapstick, but there's also you have to have read a book at some point in your life to to get some of these references, which is awesome. Like, right. when you have multiple layers within a, what people would consider a children's show, that just makes it more enjoyable over the many years that you will spend. You now, like, if not as an adult, then when you have children watching it, right? Um, and so I feel like that's we're getting more into that um, mentality now, especially I, uh, I know that, I don't know if you watched the nostalgia critic, any of his reviews or anything like that. I haven't actually. Uh, he's, I mean, he's worth a, a, a look. He's, do, he's doing more elaborate stuff now, but his older reviews are a lot quicker. You know, he gets uh-huh. through a lot of these movies fast. Um, but he did a, a piece about like, are we in a, a new Renaissance of children's animation? And and I be- oh. I believe that we are because you have shows now like um, was it Legend of Korra? Yes, uh, Ava- I was just thinking that exactly like Avatar: The Last Airbender, uh, Gravity Falls, uh, Adventure Time to a certain extent. I do need to watch Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls is pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> and then like Steven Universe. Right. Um, so you have. Oh my God, Steven Universe! I know it just gives you all the feels. I mean, you could probably just devote an entire. Um, panel or like you know review show to just Steven Universe and talking about what it's doing so right for uh-huh. kids these days and for adults because um, I know that one of the more recent episodes that came out and they're essentially talking about grief and sadness and all this kind of stuff much like um, what is it Inside Out oh god yeah exactly I still need to see that one oh it's good yeah it's- I believe it's for kids and probably more for adults at this point because a lot of people are like, "Where was this movie when I was a kid?" Right. Uh, but but they're they're going through these really great um, they're they're going to great extents to kind of talk about subjects that really haven't been touched upon in terms of children's entertainment. You know, things about um, queer relationships, uh, just different types of families in general and uh, grief and uh, depression at times as well. Like, all these characters are becoming more and more complex, and these are within, like, tiny 11-minute cartoons. Right. You know, like, for them to get across, like, a lot of things about, like, love and consent and all that, you know, everything else in 11 minutes at a go, it's just, like, that's remarkable. <laughs> it's, it's very impressive, mm-hmm. and especially with, uh, like, Steven Universe, for instance, uh, there was, I believe, a Mary Sue article. I'm not completely certain of the origin of it, but mm-hmm. the importance of representation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how Steven Universe is really demonstrating that uh, beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really do agree with you in regards to um, how we are in a renaissance of, of animation. 
simply because you have shows like that where you can accomplish so much in such a small amount of time in, in regards to episodes, uh, but yet overall touch on so many things. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's very rare that I cry watching a cartoon, <laughs> but God I- damn it. Steven Universe can bring out like those emotional underpinnings no matter what. You're just like, oh, what? Why am I crying? Why am I leaking? Like, Why are my eyes leaking? <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, but it's, it's so, and I think it's a beautiful thing that that can happen. And especially now, I mean, you know, based on what we've been talking about throughout this entire you know, episode of this podcast, you uh, know, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, and this is, this is what I like doing. I mean, it doesn't always have to be about, let's talk about a particular comic book. I mean, we did that already, but right. <laughs> like, um, jumped around a ton. I'm sorry. No, this absolutely. I, if you've listened to any previous episodes, this happens a lot. Um, I, I have, but it's, it's one of those that I'm a little self-conscious of how tangential I go. Oh, sweetie, so. you're fine. <laughs> like i love you to death this is exactly what i want from a podcast so <laughs> you're perfect yes you're perfect in my eyes tiff oh, so are you. <laughs> um, but uh i mean just with all of the you know the media out there that's very much like i mean i guess you want to say aggressive like aggressively trying to be like edgy and gritty uh-huh. and Blah, 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 blah. You have to be darker to be cool. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like... We're not taking the Dark Knight realm of entertainment, guys. Come on. Exactly. It's like, that's where it... Just let that be where it was. Except for the fact that the DC Universe still wants to keep going in this fucking direction. I know. It's like, I want Batman v Superman Dawn of Court Case Justice to be good. I really do, but I've been burned. I've been so burned. I I just can't. I know. Can't do it anymore. I'm I'm giving up and being really just deeply suspicious <laughs> un, until something proves me absolutely wrong. You're you're gonna just be living vicariously through me because God knows I'm just gonna keep watching these movies. Yeah, I am going to make you suffer through things. Tell me how they are, and then I will judiciously decide if I'm going to watch them or not. Look, Tiff, if I have to be your <laughs> martyr, I'll do it. Yes. If I have to be your you Christ, do. your Christ figure. You are my entertainment whipping boy enjoy this shit <laughs> allow me to be your personal jesus christ <laughs> pretty much <laughs> now sing marilyn manson sing it <laughs> yes ma'am <laughs> the beautiful people the beautiful <laughs> i you know honestly i really do love a lot of media that's coming out mm-hmm. but at the same time there i i can't watch everything and just like you can't watch everything no it's, it's impossible. just not possible. Exactly. But, but I'm going to miss some TV shows here and there. Uh, I'm not going to keep yeah. up on a lot of other things. Like, I'm going to, you know, every once in a while I want to write something and it means the TV has to go off. <laughs> or sleep. You should probably also sleep. Oh, yeah, that thing. Right. Whatever and that eating. is. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Why not? <laughs> let's, let's say yes. <laughs> right. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of movies that you or I, or possibly both, will not get to see in theaters because goddamn if it is not expensive as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I would love to be able to see things in theaters. I really would. Like, I would love to go and see Ant-Man. Mm. I may or may not make into into theaters because A, broke as shit. B, Ant-Man, uh, I want to see it. Mm-hmm. But it is by no means a bright, shining star in the night sky of wonderment that is the marvel cinematic universe for me it's 
it's definitely like it's an it's an interesting movie because I, I I went and saw it uh what, I think the opening weekend I'm trying to remember oh wow yeah I saw I saw it and I did a double feature that weekend <laughs> oh god oh what what was the other one I saw oh Trainwreck I saw um the Amy Schumer movie <laughs> um both of them were were enjoyable really uh, yeah Trainwreck I was surprised by definitely because I I mean I like Amy Schumer and I like her show and everything uh. Uh-huh. I, I just wasn't certain if the movie would be good, um, but it's yeah. it's actually really good. I, I mean, it's the it's the um, the tried and true uh, template of a romantic comedy. Sure. Um, so they all fit their roles, but I think it's just how they go about it that feels kind of refreshing. Well, that's nice. Yeah, and I like Bill Hader, so anything he's in, and LeBron James is funnier than he has any right being the damn person. <laughs> <laughs> I'd heard that, and I do love Bill Hader. I I'm. I'm kind of of two minds with Amy Schumer. I like some of the stuff she's done. Like, uh, Last Fuckable Day, for instance, <laughs> was fan-freaking-tastic. I loved it to death. And then there's there's other stuff that she says that is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, like her, her stance on uh, her weight, for instance. She's like, I'm 156 pounds and I can catch dick whenever I want to. I know, right? Like, That's so that, awesome. That is awesome. And I probably got the the exact poundage wrong but who gives a flying fuck exactly the the principle of the matter is that she is not a size two mm-hmm. and she doesn't necessarily think she has to be mm-hmm. and i think that that's fantastic i think that there does need to be a little bit more representation than just i'm super fucking skinny and i'm i'm pretty skinny i'm pretty skinny i'm gonna get super fucking skinny just watch <laughs> you know? like there there does need to be a broader spectrum of body representation mm-hmm. but there, there's also been some equally kind of problematic stuff that Amy Schumer has said. For instance, her her stance on race isn't the greatest, which is unfortunate, mm-hmm. and it comes through in, in her comedy. But ah, today has been an especially great day for your hat. Your fave is problematic because <laughs> Ron, Ronda Rousey, I love her mm-hmm. so much. And I absolutely think she just destroys people in such a beautiful way. Yeah. And I swear to God, if she actually fights Mayweather, I will buy that. Like, I don't even care. I'll buy it for the 10 seconds it'll take for her to pound him into the ground. Sweet. But Mm. she is also herself problematic in that, um, unfortunately, two years ago, she had made a comment in support of somebody who had made some very extremely transphobic remarks. Oh. And it, it was going into specifics about people's genitalia and, like, all sorts of unfortunateness that uh, the Mary Sue actually popped up on my feed this afternoon. I'm like, no, why? Why? Why did you do that? <laughs> that was two years ago. You damn well better have learned, or this is going to be a teachable fucking moment right now. But stop doing things. Right, like, or or John Stewart, who is one of my favorite personalities mm-hmm. in entertainment ever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught this or if this might have have flown under the radar because it was not a huge story by any means. Is it the Wyatt Cenac? Yes. Yeah. Well, and God damn it. And the thing is, did you listen to the Mark Maron podcast, like the whole thing? No, I didn't. I read the article and I was too sad to continue on. So I actually listened to I, I listened to Mark Maron's podcast because I actually I listen to that regularly. It's uh, usually oh, pl- very cool. Yeah, it's usually playing on my iPod when I'm writing into work or you know whatever. So I listened to the whole thing and he actually says a bit more after the fact. Like him and John are fairly okay because okay. they've actually talked about it, you know, previously. Uh, 
because yeah, he left the show and he was, I mean, it wasn't the best working experience for him at the time. And he even kind of cops to the idea that he put, you know, standards on Stuart that he wasn't aware of, like mm. that, that Wyatt Cenac wasn't even really aware he was doing. I mean, it's, right. it's by no means giving John Stewart like a, a free pass on it. But the fact is that it's just two human beings who were, you know, in different, coming from different angles, different places. Absolutely. So, and I think what the problem is, is that the media, the media just like, just uh, attached to that one statement because, um, because John Stewart's a human being. He's, and I think that's the case with, with a lot of these people is that, yeah, they, they support um, people who have said terrible things, but that doesn't inherently make them terrible people, but it's just, it becomes a problematic thing for your own moral code. Right. Um, and, and to be fair, I am not by any means saying that somebody who is problematic or has said problematic things can't learn from that, because mm-hmm. God knows none of us are born perfect in terms of anything, yeah, especially well, not social consciousness. So being as the comment by Ronda Rousey at least was two years ago, I really hope that she has had a, a chance to revise that opinion mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be a trans person and competing against people who are of your gender identity. So if you were assigned male at birth, you can't or shouldn't be a female competitor if you are a trans female. Mm. Like, that that's pretty problematic because, yeah. A, it's ignorant as shit, and, like, if you start hormone therapy, for instance, to transition from, you know, presenting and identifying as male into presenting and identifying as female, Mm -hmm. uh, the hormones that you actually take, they will change your body in significant ways, up to and including bone mass, bone density, and muscle mass. Mm -hmm. It, It changes your internal structure in ways that are not just, oh, I look a little softer on the outside. Legit changes that go through your body when you start that transition process, and it is not for nothing that people say, and rightly so, when you transition, you are no longer a male, you are now female, Mm -hmm. which your presentation and your identity matches your internal identity, which is awesome. I love living in the era of science where people (laughs) can actually have that freedom. Mm-hmm. I really want society to catch up to the point where we can have that no longer be a huge deal. Well, we all know that society is about 20 uh, years behind any actual social change that will happen. So. Right. It's like we're we're just now looking at things like the the vote that thank God failed mm-hmm. for defunding planned parenthood. Oh god. I I really thought that by now we would have reached the point where we were beyond things like the the hoax that happened with um, the selling of fetal tissue. <sighs> I'm still seeing people posting about that and still seeing people be like, "Is this is this real?" No, no, you fucking idiot! It's not real. It's not real. It has never been real. If you knew the least tiniest bit about what Planned Parenthood does at all, yeah, that you wouldn't have questions like this you would have questions about oh well so where does that tissue go what happens with that what's the nitty-gritty details and that's all available to you for the wonderment of both science and access to information (laughs) but no we're not hacking up babies putting them in some sort of genetic wood chipper and spitting out dna that people can do whatever the fuck they want Mm. this is not mad science like "Mm, baby chipper (laughs) 
<laughs> there, a friend of mine on Facebook, and I love her to death because she kept her cool, has a friend who is very conspiracy theory oriented. Oh, Lord. And she she works for Planned Parenthood. Mm. And uh, not in, in one of the clinics. She's actually an accountant. But uh, she she had posted something to the effect of, of stating, you know, I'm, I'm really scared for my job. I'm really afraid that people are going to defund this organization and we do so much for the community. And tell you what, I have been going to Planned Parenthood since I was 16 mm-hmm. for all of my, you know, necessities for for health yeah, when it comes well, to reproductive. It's a, it's, first and foremost, it's a woman's, you know, health facility. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. So, and I, I have I have been without health care of any kind, but because I am fortunate enough to live in a state with access to Planned Parenthood and the Take Charge program, mm-hmm. I have never been without health screening for essential services like cancer screening or STIs. Mm-hmm. And that is that is all thanks to Planned Parenthood. Without yeah. them, I would have been six ways screwed and not in the happy fun way. <laughs> So I, I'm really quite grateful that they as an organization exists, and I am both horrified and terrified that there are people who are ignorant enough that all they see are buzzwords like abortion, and they think that, one, they can impose their moral code on people to the point where they can tell them if it's okay to have one or not, mm-hmm. um, and two, that they are so blinded by the one tiny aspect of services that are offered by only some Planned Parenthood clinics, by the way, yeah, that they want to defund an entire organization that is set up to help people who are in the most vulnerable position that you can be in. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's the whole idea that, you know, you take one institution down and you're, you're actually doing more harm than good at this point. Right. Our society is so integral in terms of, you know, places that people need to go to in order to just get basic health care, services done, you know, and and Planned Parenthood is, you know, first among them that is is the only place looking out for a lot of women these days. Yep. Um, And so to try and defund that because, you know, Congress just doesn't seem to understand what its what its own moral center should be. Uh, Actually, no, it it completely understands it. It's a terrible, awful one. Um, Have we have we watched House of Cards? (laughs) Not yet. That's one of those shows that kind of (laughs) fell off of my radar. (laughs) It's it's worth it when you don't have anything else to watch. Uh, and when you also want to have your beliefs reaffirmed that politicians are truly terrible people. Oh, cool. Excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're ever in that kind of a mood, there's your show. <laughs> so what you're saying is that in order to get my uh, dour look on life through politics, it's House of Cards, only then to be supplemented by the optimistic outlook through the West Wing. Yes! Which I just recently finished. Ooh. And I loved every single bit of. <laughs> Excellent. Yay! <laughs> Even, like, season five? Uh, okay, maybe not every single bit. I loved the overall theme mm-hmm. of the show and the execution by all of the cast members. I thought that when it came together as an ensemble production, um, and they finally realized that they should probably also include the President of the United States, because nobody cares about the Cabinet if you don't know who the President is, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that worked out really well. <laughs> Yeah, and and conversely, with with uh, House of Cards being a very presidentially centered show, and in fact, um, with 
with the main character having almost a, a Deadpool-esque way of breaking fourth wall, because he's, he's talking to you directly as mm-hmm. an audience member, but not as not as specifically stated as an audience member. It's, it's a really interesting dynamic that they threw at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but having it be so very, very dark was really interesting because I, I've seen West Wing now and had it to compare it to and was just kind of blown away at the differences. Yeah. Well, and I think it also kind of goes into this, you know, strange, like I feel like television shows definitely try to reflect our own, views on stuff uh you know like how culture is perceiving one thing or the other and yeah and i think at the time that the west wing came out because we were still in the clinton era um it was still kind of a, a booming time so it was a bit more like of a positive outlook <laughs> and you i think you can kind of see the shift uh in in the in that outlook on the west wing because then george bush came into office oh, and then, yeah. then we had w and uh there was a lot uh, i think the, the optimism started kind of it was still there, but it was leaking out a little bit more. <laughs> I, I would say that that's probably accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was ever a dire and dour time for our country in a lot of ways, it was definitely when George W. Bush was president. And not not altogether, you know, his fault specifically, but... He didn't help a lot of hey. things. <laughs> Uh, it, it was not a good time to be American in so many ways. Like not not just because you know of the normal reasons of we're we're socially ignorant and nobody in the world really likes us that well, um, but because you you look at the the head of state and if you have somebody like George W. Bush, and now with the repeating kind of theme of Jeb Bush and Donald Trump, if you want to go uh. super ridiculous. I swear to God, if these are the people that are getting elected, how must the rest of the world look at us? I swear to God, I think that because every time Trump opens his mouth, it's like, Uh, you're making all of those other 16 people who, I swear to God, 16 people registered for the RNC uh, to, you know, for for the presidency. And it's just like, if, if you're saying this stuff, you're just making everyone else look slightly more rational. (laughs) Like, yeah, you're legitimizing people who ought not be legitimized. Stop it. Exactly. Like, oh my god, please don't make Bobby Jindal look, look reasonable. Don't make Ted Cruz look like, you know, a shining oh, beacon of hope. No. <laughs> like, none of these people are good. <laughs> no. Like, and I'm, I'm not saying that there is ever really a truly wonderful Republican candidate. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have, in my memory, yet to see a Republican candidate who is not just 10 pounds of crazy in a five pound sack. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not forget McCain and Palin and that whole train of just nope. Oh my god. That, like, once she got on board, it was just kind of like, okay, everybody get the popcorn out. This is going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, they just handed it over to the Democrats. <laughs> Which I'm really grateful for, but at the same time, it was so very close, and it has been so consistently very close in in all of the races. I am absolutely terrified that the short memory of the American public is going to have us go from a two-term Democratic presidency into, let's just get the most idiotic motherfucker mm-hmm. with terrible ideas in here because we tried it the other guy's way and that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Except 
before it did, and you don't understand how math works, but okay. Well, and, uh, going back to uh, Mark Maron's podcast, did you listen to the one with the president at all, or hear about that? Uh, Mark Maron's podcast with the president, or are you talking about the Daily Show uh, episode with the president? No, the Mark Maron actually had uh, Barack Obama, uh, President Obama, on his show, on his podcast. Oh, I heard about that, but I did not actually uh, listen to it. it that I heard it was pretty good, though. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, it's definitely worth your time. Okay. Um, because, yeah, it's like, a, I think... I have so many things that I need to listen to. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think it's about an hour and a half, or maybe it goes to the traditional hour, but... Um, he's just, I mean, obviously Obama's really articulate and everything, but... Of course. He, and it's really good that he he's so... I mean, him and Mark have a genuine conversation. I mean, he hits talking oh, points, wow. definitely. Of course. But um, but he's there for a specific purpose, and he's not shy about talking about it. He's like, this is the new media, podcasting. You know? Absolutely. And it's tough because the American people are were so kind of strung out with, um, with news because of huh. the 24-hour news cycle, and there's just, it's like whatever you're watching, you're just getting bombarded by certain things, and you're getting talking points. No one's going in depth on anything. Right. Um, like, I remember there were articles that talked about how we read on the internet now is just mostly skimming. We don't really go in depth to anything that we read. Um, Fair. Because it just, it takes up too much time and we don't get the gist of it. Nah, it's I can't. longer than six seconds. I can't, co- I can't concentrate. Oh, dear Lord. My ADD is kicking in again. Um, yeah. But uh, but he was very frank about the fact that he's he went on Mark Maron's show because it's a popular podcast. It's like one of the most popular in terms of like the comedy genre. Right. Um, and so it's his way of trying to reach out and really talk about things that he wants to talk about in the format that he feels is going to reach the most people now. Wow. And, and not only is that smart on his and his PR department, but absolutely. I mean, just that Mark Marin is also probably the, the best person he could have gone to for that. You right. know, because a great platform. Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like with anyone else, it would have been too. I I don't know. With Mark Maron, there's just I think a, a genuineness to him now. I mean, because when he he's, he's been going through all of his issues, like he just he's so good with sharing. Aww. <laughs> I mean, he'll just he'll just talk about the opening preamble of his show for like the first ten minutes is just about him talking about what he's been doing lately, <laughs> like. And, uh, and how he's feeling, like, he goes through anxiety issues and, and all that kind of stuff. And So kind of doing a Will Wheaton as well, where he's talking about mental health. Exactly. So he's he's become kind of that go-to, like, guy for an honest chat. And and I know that he did a preamble before, you know, Obama showed up, where he's just, he's, he's freaking nervous. I mean, it's, it's so weird because, yeah, Barack Obama is a guy. He's just a dude. But you never picture it. Exactly. But he's also the president of the United States. Like, that that title alone just just lends him a certain amount of, I don't know, mythology, I guess. Even right. though eight years ago, or, like, less than that, like, six years ago, pretty much, he was just a guy, just a dude, and now he's president. Right. <laughs> so listening to their conversation was actually really interesting, just how they kind of, you know, talk to each other. I, I feel like it's worth it. I will definitely check that out then. Excellent. I like recommending things to people. <laughs> you always recommend excellent things. I can't fault you on your taste. And it's nice to know that if there are things that I am not uh, hooked into or aware of, that you're one of my primary people that I come to mm-hmm. for recommendations because I trust that you have a solid head on your shoulders 
and you also have a very good feel for what is going to be interesting and yet informative. Yeah, I th- yeah, mostly just coming from a place of like, I just don't want to read stupid shit. <laughs> no. I want to read stupid shit for like six seconds, and then I want to go and read something I actually care about. Exactly. I like my fun reading, don't get me wrong. I like reading sure. my, my comic books that, you know, some of them are, are heady and other ones go nowhere, for whatever. Right. But yeah, if I'm going to spend my time on something, I want to make it worth it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm of a very similar mindset. It's it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to do this, but for me, it's interesting for me to compare what certain people's news feeds look like mm-hmm. and see what kind of pages they share a lot of stuff from, or um, you know what they're intaking, and it can tell you a lot about somebody's personality in, in regards to what they find uh, worthwhile on their feed yeah I, mean? I i can i can i can understand that one yeah <laughs> there it's was... like if i'm seeing a lot of stuff from spirit science i'm like hmm. okay <laughs> yeah like i i think i've been lucky in that a lot of uh pretty much all of my friends have a similar mindset you know it's it's right. i'm not gonna see a lot of things like you know uh I, I don't even know what the more conservative websites are called because i don't see them that often <laughs> I, I don't know anything by Glenn Beck that's not Andrew W.K. Oh, God. <laughs> is he still a thing? Is Glenn Beck still a thing? Glenn Beck is still a thing. Glenn Beck has actually taken to uh, podcasting and a lot more newer media f- formatting simply because he wasn't viable on mainstream media anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know if he had a falling out with Fox News or whatnot, but... I think um, his level of crazy got even too much for Fox News. <laughs> it really did, which is totally fine. But, you know, he is that that fringe uh, tea party crazy, and he's kind of off doing his own thing, which is interesting because I, how familiar are you with Andrew WK? Are you at all? I'm not not a whole lot. I mean, I know who he is, but right. I, I've, I can't say that I've ever really, like, sat down and listened to his stuff. <laughs> okay, so... Andrew W.K. is, uh, he's a musical artist, of course, Mm -hmm. but he's also somewhat of a motivational figure now, and he, he does a ton of different things with his music, so the thing that people most know him from and associate him with is his album, uh, Get Wet, Mm -hmm. which was where you have the songs like Party Hard or She Is Beautiful. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, that was one album. He has actually done a ton of different things. Like, he is a completely, beautifully talented pianist, for instance. Oh, really? He has has a whole album of just piano music that he wrote and did the accompaniment for, and it is beautiful. You know, he's he's a performance artist in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. what has truly kept him relevant is that he used the album Get Wet, which would have been just such a throwaway, whatever, feel-good party jam kind of thing. Uh, and he's actually used it as a as an entry into positive thinking and into uh, motivational speaking. So he has he has a column with the Village Voice where it's it's a almost um, God, I'm I'm forgetting the name, but it was an advice column. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Dear Abby, there we go. Okay. (laughs) It's a Dear Abby style advice column where 
where he actually tackles some really deep issues, some hard things from people who are in a much younger age group. So like early teens to 20s to 30s. Mm. And it's interesting seeing the questions that he he answers very much in a Steven Universe kind of relatability mm-hmm. uh, where where you have representation, where you have understanding, where you have all of these different aspects. And so he's taking that that movement, that belief system to where he is trying to encourage even when you are down having a, a party attitude like it's it's pretty phenomenal to see that where he is saying that, you know, even if you are having a bad time, that doesn't mean that it's forever. That doesn't mean that that's where everything ends. Mm -hmm. And he took that, interestingly enough, to Glenn Beck's radio show. He has a segment on, not his his main show, of course, but he has his own aspect of that. And he, he said in an interview why he did that, he wanted to reach a demographic he would otherwise have had no way of reaching. And a demographic of people who are really deeply sad and troubled Mm -hmm. and i i would agree i think a lot of of unfortunate rhetoric and hate is spawned from fear yeah and i think that it's interesting that somebody would go to an extreme of of going into god only knows what (laughs) with glenn beck because that is a pile of crazy i would not wish on anybody he basically went into the heart of darkness (laughs) yeah a little bit like he he's kind of in the thick of things in some place I would never wish anybody to go, but doing so to to try and broaden the appeal as opposed to polarizing people. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that that was an interesting approach. I hadn't really considered doing that or the merit of that until I saw him do it. No, and, and that's that's pretty damn admirable of him, too, to I mean, yeah. basically going to a place where he's... He's essentially, it's the lion's den of people who he doesn't necessarily agree with on, a, like, a philosophical level. Right, um, and who would not necessarily agree with him or listen to him on their own. Exactly, but in in positioning himself and aligning himself with this particular uh, person's uh, format, I suppose, or his show, right? he can actually put, you know, put himself out there in a way that goes like, hey, look, I'm just a, I'm just a cuddly teddy bear. Like, you don't have to worry about anything, and I'm just going to say some truths that uh, are just kind of on a more positive, like, helpful kind of thing, which I think is the best approach. You know, if you're... It's, yeah. It's not shouting at someone. It's going like, look, I'm offering my hand out to you. Um, yes. You can either take it or you, or you don't. I mean, either way, I, I would it's hope true. that you take it. You know? <laughs> it's like... Um, and and I, I think yeah, just with how things are going now with our culture and everything, it's just like, I I like that attitude more. Like I I don't want to I don't like being angry. Like it's just not I can't sustain that anymore, Tiff. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm still able to sustain anger pretty goddamn well, but <laughs> I definitely can appreciate the people who uh, are willing to extend that hand out and extend um, kindness and courtesy, and even. Mm-hmm. Even in the midst of me arguing, and you've, I've, I'm certain, have seen me argue or debate, depending on the day, mm-hmm. uh, with people on either my feed or somebody else's feed, and just I will, I will get very deeply passionate, and I will sometimes get angry, but I try to never take it to the degree that I used to when I was younger. Yeah, I, I, th- yeah. I think that's the lesson we all need to learn. Is like, look, when you were younger, yeah, you could sustain this level of anger and fire and everything 
as you get older, the fire's going to die down a little bit. And what and I think it's more important as to how you deal with that. Like, yeah. if, if you're if you can't sustain the anger, then what are you really using your energy for? Like, well, where... it also breaks down to why are you having the conversation? Most of the time, when I engage with something that is uh, controversial or is inflammatory, I am not engaging with it to change the mind of whomever stated the ignorant ass shit that they did, <laughs> because. By and large, you are not going to change the, the most zealous person. Yeah. It's just not going to happen, and you really should not approach a conversation with the expectation you're going to change that person's heart and mind. Mm-hmm. But something that I've found that has really helped me in regards to um, arguing for the things that I'm passionate about, but not just flaming out, for mm-hmm. instance... I'm never arguing for the person that I am having the discussion with. I am always arguing for the people who might see the debate and the discussion. Mm -hmm. And they would at least appreciate seeing the opposing viewpoints and sides. So if I end up sinking to the same level as that other person where they're being deeply personally insulting or they are saying things that are just horrifically awful and, and... like the things that you were seeing on your blog, mm-hmm. I I will never be that person. I can't. Yeah, you're you're never going to accomplish anything good, no matter who you are arguing with, because it's never worthwhile to do that. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I feel like this is kind of like a good like circled round, like where we kind of where we. I was start. actually just thinking that I'm like, man, that seems like a perfect place to close. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, this is, uh, I'm, I'm glad I could, I guess I'm technically breaking your, uh, popping your cherry here with the, uh, the podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> Since the other one got swallowed up. The internet has consumed it. That, that's just what the internet does, Tiff. That's just it's what real. it does. Um, but yeah, no, I think that this is a perfect stopping point for, for this, uh, inaugural episode of, uh, Sam and Tiff's, uh, excellent adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time that you and I have a conversation, it's going to be billed as a uh, one of those types of movies. Like, it'll be Bill and Ted first, then we'll move on to something else. Like, so-and-so's blah 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 <laughs> Pretty much. Like, if you think about how many different topics we covered and where we jumped around from, it was it was definitely uh, an adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm... I'm equal parts intrigued and trepidatious about people listening to this because I can't even picture trying to follow some of this if you weren't you and I. Because <laughs> we bounce off of each other real well and we're like, oh yeah, I'm totally with you, 100%. But man, there are going to be some confused people listening to this. Well, if they're not intrigued enough to come back, then what do you want from them? <laughs> It's true. And I, I appreciate you having me on. This was a kick in the pants. Um, I I hope that it is actually at all entertaining for people to listen to, because Lord knows I have had a blast. Well, if they don't fall in love with you the same way I did, then I don't want to know. <laughs> I want nothing to do with you. You can go. I said good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> Well, I have had an absolute blast, Sam. Thank you so much for having me on. I would love to do this with you again. Excellent. It will happen. Do not worry, my dear. You will return. (laughs) And here I was thinking that I wouldn't have enough material or things to say to you. I'd be like, I don't know what to say. And like I told you. Two hours later. What did I tell you? It was not going to be a problem.
but uh, yeah, I, do you want to plug anything? I don't know. This is this is the strange part, the ending part, where it's like, yeah, hey, I know, no. This is what we encountered with uh, with James's podcast as well. He's like, "Oh yeah, you can catch Chris and I on blah blah blah," and we're doing things on Twitter. I'm like, "I ain't doing shit." There you Fuck go. Y'all. That's fine. Tiff ain't doing shit on anything, and that's the truth. Uh, the, the, the funny part is, I do actually have the Twitter, but it's primarily for for non public things. And same thing with Facebook. I post a lot of stuff, but it's really not at all for public people so there you go <laughs> i'm i'm all for contributing to other people's things like this uh we'll f- i'll figure out if i'm actually ever going to do anything with with writing uh or not but for now i'm perfectly content to just add my voice where it is uh wanted mm-hmm. and that's about it <laughs> and i appreciate that <laughs> Uh, for those who need to know or want to know, you can find me at darling underscore Sammy on, uh, on the Twitters. I just almost lost what it was for a second. <laughs> it's like, God, I'm tired. Uh, I made you lose all focus. Oh, God. Oh, no. I need my focus. Where is it? It's uh, in your coffee cup. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so Twitter, uh, you can go to maniacalgeek.com to read uh, the many myriad uh, articles that I write. And, and in fact, you should. Yes, uh, although we, we may be talking about that a little bit after this thing is over. <laughs> there's, oh. there's stuff to talk about. Um, Secret things. Secret things. Yeah, I mentioned it on the podcast so you'll be intrigued enough to want to find out what those things are. <laughs> secret, secret. I got a secret. <laughs> Da 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 da. <laughs> secret, secret. I got a secret. <laughs> See, there you go. Anyway, go to the, go to the blog. Fun yeah. things. Go to Maniacal Geek, and uh, yeah, you can go on Facebook. Uh, I think if you just type in like Maniacal Curls, it'll it'll pop up. And uh, this is on iTunes as well, so you can find us there. And perhaps give us stars, make some comments. You know, hopefully, nice ones. <laughs> I've I've hopefully. had a. I've had enough of the bad ones for right now, and please... Please don't be an internet dick. I will circumcise you. There we go. We'll get Will Wheaton on this. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to conscript Will Wheaton into my army. I I highly recommend it. He's a, guy, he's a great guy. Hey, you got a, uh, a combat wombat, and I've got a war giraffe, so... I know! We're set! <laughs> exactly. To the fuzzy animals! <laughs> but uh, thank you, Tiffany, for joining me on the podcast, and the first of what will be many... I I I so believe. (laughs) All right. Good night, everybody.